If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's essentially the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need on one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your pod right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your pod on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey guys, welcome to Let's Process This with Melinda Hill. We are happy you're here. We, meaning me, pretending I'm a we for some reason. Hi. Let's Process This is a podcast about processing and overcoming trauma and transforming it into creative treasure and life treasure because we are not defined by what happened to us, but we are defined by what we do with what happens to us. Hello. We also talk creative process, like how does stuff get made? How are people making things? How are people making it through things? My intention is that you will feel inspired and empowered and illuminated by the insights that you find here. And also, of course, entertained. Some quick announcements for you. If you're so inspired, please support this podcast by subscribing for free wherever you get your pods and rating it and leaving a nice review. Yummy, yummy review time. You can become a patron now directly on anchor.com or on patreon.com. So hop over there and become a patroon. You can access all this stuff at my website, melindahill.com. If you can do all or any of that, we are so grateful. We, of course, just meaning me. Another announcement for you. Very exciting. My comedy special, Inappropriate, is now out. What? Yes! I am so excited to share this comedy special with you. You can get it at melindahill.com or wherever you get your specials. It's also a comedy album. And you can get that wherever you get your comedy albums. The special is called Melinda Hill, Inappropriate. Few people said a few things about it. Hollywood Chicago says, combine the hilarity of prime observational comedy with the zen of inner peace, and you have Melinda Hill's stand-up special, Inappropriate. The sharp master of laughs delivers an hour of riffs on her life and her loves. Off the Tracks goes on to say, Melinda's special is bold, funny, and deep. A hilarious comedy hour jam-packed with laughs. Speaks to her development as a joke writer and deliverer, but also arrives at exactly the right time. Ooh, we love arriving at the right time. Gotta love that divine timing. Guys, did I mention that we are so happy that you are here today. Thank you so much for all of your support. Let's get into it, shall we? Hi guys, so I'm really excited to talk with my friend Holly Ramos today. She's a singer songwriter from New York City, living in LA for almost two decades now. Her work has been produced by Lucinda Williams and featured in several feature films. 
Her band, Oh So My Brain, includes bassist Norwood Sheik and drummer David Avery, and their debut single, Better Now, was just released on Velvet Elk Records. The flip side, God Only Knows, comes out December 4th, along with a vinyl 7-inch. I've known Holly uh, for a few years now. I've I've opened for her band I'm doing stand-up, and she's just an amazing person. I've, I've watched the Oscars with her and her husband, Tom. I've been at her dance parties, and I love her. So um, I'm sure you will, too. Here's Holly Ramos. Hi, Holly. Hi, Melinda. How are you? <laughs> doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing all right. Um, First, I love ahead. your I love your purple hair. What did you use to achieve that? I use manic panic cotton candy pink. Okay, that's so funny because I was just, I'm wanting to do pink also. I've never done pink. Um, and I just was Googling and there's like a million kinds and I landed on Manic Panic and they had like cotton candy. So would you recommend it? How long does it last? Yeah, yeah. Um, on, on unprocessed hair, it comes out pretty fast. On processed hair, you know, a little while. <laughs> it, you know, it depends, but a few washes, three or four. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. It looks great. How are you? Uh, okay, first of all, um, thank you everyone for joining us. This is Holly Ramos. Um, Holly, I love your new song. Do you want to talk you. about it? It's so good. Like, I watched the music video, Better Now, uh, by Oh So My Brain. And I, Holly's band, and I can't stop. I keep hearing it in my mind. It's so catchy. What's the story with that Yay. song? Yay. <laughs> the story is um, I grew up just listening to 60s and 70s pop, like oldie station. Like I know every single lyric to every song on 101 FM. And, um, and I just have a certain pop sensibility that mixes with punk and with rock. And um, yeah, I wrote it and I, it just seemed like the song we need to visualize this election and the future it needed to get out. Yeah, for sure. It could because it's so positive. And yeah. uh, like, what, how long did it take you to write that song or what was your process? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's called Better Now and it's about, um, it's actually about the inside job of, you know, like you're, you know, you're messed up or you have problems and you do the work as you talk about and, um, uh, and it gets better. Right. So, and then I used external examples like my grandmother's big scar she had on her chest, you know, um, where the, I fell out of bed twice and have scars around both eyes. So I talk about like external scars and then, and, you know, gets better. Oh, so that's the. If you speak. That's the <laughs> that's the scars around the eyes line. Is that you fell out of your bed? Yeah, scars on both sides. Yeah, when I was little, and um, and it says, you know, cuts never heal if you don't want to feel. 
So we got to feel it. Don't fight it. Feel it. That is so good. I, I have chills. That's exactly <laughs> like a very similar um, message to my comedy special, which is about if you don't heal your trauma, you continue to recreate it. Always. I loved your comedy special. It was great. It was so good to laugh and everyone should watch it. Really? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, so since my comedy special is called Inappropriate, I'm asking people, what do you personally find inappropriate? <laughs> <laughs> what do I find inappropriate? Um, what do you, what, I what is, I guess, what does that mean to you and what does appropriate mean to you? Mm -hmm. uh, two different questions. So inappropriate is sort of um, not um, acceptable in a situation, right? Um, would be the definition. So you might be in a work situation and it would be inappropriate to say, use the F word that you might use with your friends, right? So it's situational, What what is okay in, you know, but what's inappropriate to me, I think, is anything non-consensual, right? Anything that is not, that's invading like my, my uh, idea, right? And I think that includes, so if, if it's, if you're not of a group, you know, and you're not sure if you should talk about that group a certain way, don't do it. <laughs> and if you are, um, <laughs> you know, male and someone else is female and something maybe you're not sure, don't do it, right? Or ask. <laughs> can always get, you can always get clarity. I love questions. Can ask. You know, that's, that's such a good point is like, I feel like if people asked more questions, they would know better how to navigate. We do need to ask for help. Like, what is appropriate here? We don't we don't know, especially the landscape is changing. Holly, tell me about your where were you born? How did you come to be the fabulous Holly that we know today? <laughs> um, I don't have my reading glasses on, so every I mean I'm not participating with all these sweet people. Um, however, um, sending my love, I'll let you do it all. Um, so I was born in Manhattan. I was born and raised working class, New York City, beautiful pre-war apartment, which has a sunken living room and like, you know, great bathroom. But it was like a, you know, one bedroom for four people. Where, where um, in New York? What's that? Where in New York? I grew up in Inwood at the tip of Manhattan. Okay. 215th Street. Okay. And um, it's very um, working class and small townish, actually, even though it's Manhattan. Um, and it's still a place you wanted to get out of, you know. <laughs> so we took the subway. The subway was right there, and you could take the subway down and get off at West Eighth Street, West Fourth Street, and um, that's where, like, it was happening. You know, that was my my access to the West Village and then I would walk across town to the East Village and I was a, you know, got into music always and got on the 
music scene. I was on like the hardcore scene and we were anarchists and, you know, teenage anarchists and, um, and yeah, and that's what I, how I grew up evolving from there. How, who were the people in your scene? Like when it started, like who were some of the people that we would know? Um, it was real specific, you know, the hardcore scene was really, you know, it was a it was ahead of the curve, right? It was super underground. There was no access really to it. You just had to find it. There was no. It's not about googling. <laughs> you just had to like find these weird bands and this weird, you know, radio college radio that would play have one show or something, and you would tape the show, you know, on a recorder things like that. Because I'm, you know, it's from the prehistoric era. So we, um, so there were like. At the early, the like the beginning of hardcore, there was like you know ten bands like the Stimulators, Nick Martin, and Harley was the drummer. Um, there was Reagan Youth, Dave Reagan Youth, Steven Surgeon passed away. Um, there was um, the False Prophets. Um, there was Heart Attack, which was Jesse Mallon's band. Um, Misguided, which was you know. Everyone was a little arty. Um, I think a little less, you know, what hardcore became was a really specific style that just started a tiny bit later than when I first came on it, you know? So, like, the Bad Brains were, like, a great, brilliant band from then. Um, okay, so you and you and Jesse are, like, songwriting partners. We are. And you both do such cool you're, you're both so talented like when you met each other did you just know this is going to be a, a soul a, a creative soulmate of of sorts or like how did that go down <laughs> no we met at a black flag show at the left bank and i think it's mount vernon um was the town and so bands would tour through and they'd play these little, you know, clubs and then they'd play in the suburbs or nearby towns and everyone would, you know, take the bus to Philly or, you know, go see them because it was so limited at the time, right? And it was, a, uh, I think it was Memorial Day weekend. So it was like, I knew that there was a, there was no school on Monday and Black Flag played on a Sunday night and I went with my friend and my sister and, um, I guess I was 15. And so I, and I talked to these two guys came over and started talking to us, Danny and Jesse. And, and they were like, Oh, the angelic upstarts are coming out. We're going to go check out the band. And I was like, okay, talk to you later. And Danny said, after the upstarts, do you want to go outside? Which was like code for like, you know, go kiss or something. And I didn't really know what that meant. So I was like, okay. And then during the us, the upstarts, Jesse came back and said, do you want to go outside? And I was like, okay. <laughs> so it was really just a twist of fate, his timing. And, um, and then we just like started hanging out. And then you guys were, how long were you together? <laughs> I think off and on for probably about four years. And then, um, you know, and then off and on friendship, we, you know, it was a little bumpy at times for, you know, till now. So that's great. What, uh, and did you guys start writing music together while you were together? 
We did write. I I wrote on his on subliminal seduction, uncredited, I think. But we wrote this song like a political anthem about women's rights, and it's kind of like hit over the head, you know. But the brilliant line that I wrote, so good for like a teenager, was out of the womb your blanket is pink or blue <laughs> and that was it you know we started right there great and like what yeah. was your like when you guys write songs together how long does it take is it like a quick thing where you finish each other's sentences or is it like what's the process there it depends um it can be like you know in a one or two hour session we might finish something or sometimes it's I have to do everything in small bites because I have kids and I don't have like unending free time, but sometimes it's a, you know, it might take one or two or three sessions to finish a song. It's pretty quick, I think. And so like what, so how was your journey like from being, you know, so you were in bands already as a teen, you're with Jesse, you're writing songs. Like, did you, having were you up against any obstacles or what was it always smooth sailing for you <laughs> it was all obstacles i was um i wasn't in bands when i met jesse i didn't have a band for um until my mid-20s i think i started for or early 20s and um i definitely had like uh fear of you know visibility and going out and doing it you know i never did anything kind of publicly until then. So, you know, there's a, a lot of internal and external struggles. I came from a really messed up, crazy house. So everything was super loaded and super, uh, you know, skewed, right? And um, and then I made a band. I, and then I made a band that was really just like kind of, um, you know, in part of the process, it's like, you you just be, I became really promiscuous as a way to like take back my power you know <laughs> that period which is great which everyone should do um and it might not be the end of the road but it's okay if it is right um so I did that period um in a band and just having a lot of rage it was a really great place to like get out big feelings and um and then you know things shift right consciously you want to shift it like oh maybe this isn't how I totally want to live and you you know you figure things out and get support and do other things so like what was there a point where you were like I'm just kind of done with this and I just need to do something else or like what helped you to to move on I guess um, with like, that sounds like it was like working, then it wasn't working anymore. And then you were like, I'm going to do something else. Yes. Um, cause you're talking about being in a band, everyone's seeing how cute you are. Everyone's hitting on you after the show, whatever. And so it's just kind of a time. It's a scene, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's a great time and a great scene. You know, we had a club. Jesse and I had a nightclub together, right? DJed and um, it was really, you know, a lot of fun. And that was all about like, you know, decadence and staying out all night. And we, we do it in lofts. So it wasn't commercial spaces. So we would just go till the next morning, you know, and um, that's like a great way to 
uh, stay alive. You know, that's like a, cause like as whatever else is going on, whatever negative things are in your life, you know, you're dancing and laughing and being in joy pretty much daily. <laughs> so I think that's like a really great, um, bandage, you know, that can kind of sustain maybe an unsustainable lifestyle. Um, I, but then it, it's always just the pain gets to be bigger than the, um, solution. Uh, you know, the pain gets to be bigger than the, the self-medication or the, whatever you're doing, you know, and when you, you find yourself in a pain that you can't fix, which is great, which is like trauma recreating itself. You know, you, it's like universe or whatever it is, is, is going to say like, okay, you know, I'm upping the ante. I just see, you know, like I didn't have the greatest, um, parental figure guidance leaders, whatever the word is. Um, I didn't have the greatest parentalness modeled for me. So the universe kind of kicks it in, you know, I'll do it for you here. This is going to suck. You know, it's starting to not be good. So, you know, let's figure out a different way. Were you guys doing like a lot of drugs at this nightclub? Um, you know, I probably tried every drug, but I wasn't the biggest drug or alcohol person. I didn't really um, need it. I knew how to like check out on all kinds of different levels, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. everyone, yeah, I mean, I'm sure everyone else, it was all about sex and drugs and rock and roll, right? That sounds like really fun because I mean, I feel like we're so lucky that we had these scenes. Like I didn't have a scene like that. I guess I was in kind of a bit of a music scene, just always dating musicians and hanging out at the underground clubs. But then I got into comedy and I felt like it was kind of like the family I always wanted to have because I always saw so many people like everywhere I went and um, you don't really notice till you're not doing it anymore. Like, it's like, oh, I kind of like, I guess I got sick of seeing everyone all the time. And then now I'm kind of like, oh, those were special times. Mm, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, you know, it wasn't like it wasn't a pandemic that ended it for me. It wasn't like sort of ended for me um definitely in the social world who doesn't miss that right um, whatever social joys we had you know they'll be back soon let's help right um soon 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 but yeah this was just kind of like a lifestyle that um is great until it's not you know it's very superficial there's a lot of glamour there's a lot of you know um just like external validations, you know, it was, it was like the internet, but real life, you know, you dressed up, you looked great, everyone looked great, we hung out and we danced and we, uh, you know, felt all of this divine decadence, you know, from each other um, in real life, you know, <laughs> together. And, um, and that's great, but it's, you know, it is, it is external, right? There's it's external validation. It's a, it's an external value system of all kinds of things. And I think that at some point, you know, I was just like a little more interested about the inside part. Yeah. So you're a very, um, insightful person and, um, very wise and like, 
what kind of things have helped you? Like what, what's really helped you in your life? Like what modalities and methods do you use? What helps me? I meditate every day. Um, meditation is great. I what do kind? yoga. What kind of meditation do you do? I just, I just sit. I don't know. I sit and breathe. Um, and yeah, I do yoga and I, um, um, those really help. <laughs> and then I eat really well. I think that like food definitely affects your, you know, you know, I'm very, um, like clean in terms of substances. Like I don't have caffeine cause I'm just very sensitive instrument. So anything kind of like throws me. What kind and of, I think, oh, go ahead. what kind of food do you eat? Um, I'm not vegetarian, but I'm just, I eat consciously. Like I eat a lot of, I cook a lot. I make very um, low fat steamed vegetables, brown rice. And I eat like organic meats, things. I'm pretty much everything organic. That's not, um, that's sort of consciously grown or if it's an animal product consciously, you know, handled, right? So those three things are super important. Like those are game changers, yoga, meditation, and food. Yeah, I think so. And what, uh, did anything else What really help you like overcome any personal obstacles? Because now I feel like things are really happening for you. Like all this cool stuff is happening with your music. But also you have an amazing family, an amazing husband, and you're happy and you guys travel. And so not during the pandemic, but and, like, how did you get from there um, to there? Yeah. yeah. Um, so like therapy, basically, you know, really just like and trauma therapy, like kind of sitting with what's wrong and what can we do about it and what do you want kind of a thing. Like I always say about 95% of my friends from my growing up and my all of my exes, a good 95% are don't have kids, you know, very few people from my past have kids. And, and that's really specific. You know, we all were very specific about that. Um, we just weren't maternal and we all had reasons why not to be, I suppose, you know? Um, and then like, I started to want that. And so it was, it was, a, it was like a journey to get to being like living a certain lifestyle, which is just really not conducive to a family. Right. Um, because you maybe your your fear of intimacy, because maybe you had trauma around stuff growing up. So it's hard to, be in a relationship or be faithful or stay through it with somebody or, you know, or want to do the parent thing, which is a really specific choice. Um, and I'll just say in right, throw in right now, no one should have to have be a parent if they don't want to, you know? And so women's rights are so important right now. I can't even conceive of forcing somebody to be a parent because they used you misused or didn't use birth control or made a mistake or were bullied into it or thought it, they weren't going to get pregnant or whatever the friggin' reason is, you know, um, I can't even conceive of the sick cruelty 
and violence of that, you know? So I'm, I'm a big supporter of abortion rights for everybody, free, legal, and safe, as my friends at Thank God for Abortion said. Um, shout out to them. <laughs> but, um, but um, you yeah. know, it's a really, like, I really support people not wanting to do it and not doing it. But, like, I sort of wanted to, and I was on a track not to, you know? Um, I didn't want to at the time. And then, like, I started to have recovery in my life. I started to be in my body and kind of know what I wanted and become who I am. And that was one of the things I wanted to do. And I feel really blessed and lucky that, you know, I get to be a mom and that I got to have recovery around it and get to do it and picked people in my life that were, you know, and that was all conscious. I picked, I stopped dating guys who, you talked about it. How do you date non-available? How do you date people who are available? And it was like, I was like, oh, just stop dating someone who's unavailable. I knew what that looked like. It looked pretty good because they're pretty cute, you know. And, <laughs> um, and then I was like, just don't, don't even. It was like a horse in blinders. Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. And then like some nice doctor would ask me on a date and I would go and it would be really uncomfortable and boring. And I was like this is okay. This is, I'm practicing dating available people. It was really hard at first because the joy of the, there's like some, there's a whole setup in that game, you know, and well, there's, there's something, Oh, it seems so great and so hot and so handsome. There's unavailableness that's going to like break your heart. Right. And then you find out you're the unavailable one. Um, and then you have to sit in the company of available people and you just want to run the other direction because it's incredibly uncomfortable. And then you do it until it's until you can bear the feelings. And it's still a pro and I still have to sometimes, you know, I still want to run sometimes. But I always remember like to what? What am I going to run to that that old way? I, which just didn't work. It's, too painful you know yeah well it's that familiarity with chaos that feels like uh love or like it feels like ah but it's like just your family chaos <laughs> so it's just familiar wow that's great so you just had to like conscious what kind of therapy did you do um you know, in New York, it's like you just sit there talking about the shit, you know. <laughs> um, but, um, which worked enough, you know, it worked enough. Um, but, you know, LA, it, we got all kinds of magical, airy shit here, right? So yeah. I just do um, somatic experiencing. I love somatic. And it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Because it gets to the cells, because, you know, it's cellular, all the patterns and all the things you do, all the things that were done to you that inform you are, you know, so cellular. So we work from there. How do you describe somatic? Like what, how is it different than talk therapy? I don't know. It's kind of <laughs> yeah, like, you just do it. It's feel, it's, a, it's feel therapy. Yeah. So you, when you have, for instance, the experience of being happy, in a situation that's safe and calm when you're able to actually feel that in your body it's easier to i guess call it into your life because you've experienced it 
but that's what somatic is. Is that is that an accurate? I don't know if that's accurate, but just that talking yeah, talking that about it that. sometimes can keep you in the talking about it. But somatic gets you into the feeling of a new experience. Yeah, or I mean, I think that is an aspect of it. I don't know either. It's hard for me to define it or explain it, but I think it's also feeling through the stuff that you're keeping too, you know? Like sometimes you have to feel through that to move out of it. Oh, that's so true. You have to grieve fully to get it out. Yeah. You have to, pre you have to process <laughs> it. You have to stop <laughs> avoiding it. <laughs> the only way out is through. Um, yeah. How did you meet uh, your husband? <laughs> I met my husband um, through a whole uh, course of events. Basically, I'd come out to LA to um, for a film that I was in. I was in an indie film, and it was playing in some film festival. And I came out, and I stayed with my friend, and she came with me to the show, the screening. And at the screening, we ran into a guy who. She was like, oh, that's that guy from my yoga class. I think he likes me. And she was struggling with like some of the things that, um, you know, we, that we struggled with dating unavailable people, right? That's like a, a, you know, just a thing of your youth. Like, oh God, when are we gonna stop doing this? Um, and so we hung out, the guy came over and hung out with us all night and he was so nice. And I was like, oh, you, uh, you should check him. You should hang out with him. He seems like such a great person, you know? And so she sort of agreed to, and they went on a date and I was just here for a few days and they be, sort of became an item right then and there. And then I was the third wheel and it was sort of annoying. Um, this is my version of the story. Theirs is probably different, but leaving, I, I was getting my suitcase to go to the airport and um, the guy came over and said, you should, meet my best friend Tom in New York he and I was like whatever you know I just was like you're the kind of you you're like took away my friend you know like we were hanging out and now great I don't care really what you're saying and he then he said we were best friends since kindergarten and then and I was already like kind of trying to date people who you know were the kind of people I wanted to date and um, that seemed like such a great recommendation and somebody who was friends with somebody who seemed really cool since kindergarten. Like that spoke to me. I just like remembered the name and got on the plane, got off the plane and went to, with my suitcase, I went to the screening in New York of the film. It was like the premiere in New York at Gen Arts. My family came and friends were there and we went to the after party and I still had my silly suitcase and at the after party, somebody said something and whatever they were talking and I had some clue and I was like, you're Tom. And I knew that it was him before we met. Like I just knew that um, the reason the friend was at the premiere was because he was friends with the director. He went to school with the director and so did Tom. So he was also at the premiere because of that reason. So it was like this funny coincidence that, and then I knew who he was before we met and his version is different. <laughs> but but it was sort of a setup that he was sort of recommended to me that morning in LA and then I ran into him accidentally in New York that evening 
and we and I was like, we should hang out sometime or whatever we said. He, what's his? And then it was a slow process because he was, you know, like a really solid, available person, and it was really uncomfortable for me. So I really sort of kept my, you know, kept coming, kept coming back, but kept wanting to run away. So it was a long process to to settle in. What's his version? <laughs> he thinks he talked to me first. He seems to remember that he came up to me and spoke to me. So, like, what helped you to just stay and just, you know, continue to show up? Um, you know, I had read some goofy books about dating. Um, trying to think what exactly it was. But, you know, like some like little thing I picked up was like, go where it's warm, you know, um, and like we would have a date and I would have all kinds of uncomfortable feelings and I'd be like, I just want to break up, but he hasn't done anything wrong or bad or nothing has happened that I should do that. You know, it's just sort of this running feeling. In fact, he's actually really nice and really great and I just sort of have to get used to it. So I would just come back another day. And we had, you know, we it was hard for us to find like places that we could really connect, you know, we were both pretty different. And the thing, one of our big connectors was Gene Hackman. We both liked Gene Hackman. And um, I think early date, we went to see like French Connection at like the Thalia or something or film forum. And then um, the Royal Town Bounds came out and uh, yeah, we, you know, we were like, oh, Gene Hackman. So every time we kind of hit, <laughs> hit a wall, we'd say, oh, what? Oh, he was in Poseidon Adventure. Let's watch that. <laughs> <laughs> luckily, that luckily, he did a lot of movies. Yes. Um, so we, it, it was a process and he was, Gene was part of it. Wow. That's really inspiring. I love that. <laughs> Um, so, so now you're a mom of two beautiful children. Thank you're you. happily married. You've been living in London for a year. You're back here. What? And now you're putting out, you're rolling out these songs. So what's the, what's happening here? Because this is so exciting. I love your new song so much. I can't wait to hear the other ones. Like, tell us what's happening. First of all, how did this band get together? Tell me everything. <laughs> the band um, started because I hadn't played, you know, I had, I sort of put something out. Like, it seems like I do a release once every decade, you know. Um, my band Fur came out at some point, and then I did a solo release at some point, and um, it's, it's not a prolific thing for me. I do write with other people, but putting out my own stuff is a lot of work in independently, you know, making something happen, um, you know, is, is a lot of energy. So hadn't played in years. I had a, a daughter in public school and somebody at this, uh, involved in like a event thing was like, do you want to play the Halloween party, um, in the dad's band? And I was like, okay, I guess so. And, um, because I liked him, he was my friend, and I was like, oh yeah, we'll make some music together, I haven't done that in a while. And then I found out the dad's band 
um, which, you know, was sort of ruffling my feathers. The dad's band, that's kind of why I played. I was like, I got to represent, you know, um, for all these little girls in public school needs to see it, you know. Um, so they were playing at a certain hour that I couldn't be there. And he's like, I'll just get you a time slot earlier. You can just do like a show, you know, do a solo show, do some songs. And I was like, okay. And then it started to dawn on me, like, oh my God, I have a little kid. I have two little kids. This is so much work. I have to like rehearse and get, you know, perform in front of people. Um, and I don't want to, and maybe I should just cancel it. I think I'm going to cancel it. And then I remembered I have to represent because of the dad's band. I have to be the mom who plays, you know? Um, and it was really a calling. It was sheer service. I was like, only three more days and then it's over forever. Phew, I can do it. Only two more days. Cause I, it's my day, you know, I, my day is like, if I try to do yoga, I'm in downward dog. Okay. It's in the kitchen. Okay. Take a breath in and no, it's not ready yet. Okay. I'll let you know. Oh wait, you need paper. Pause. Get the, here it is. Come back. Run pause. You know, and then if I'm like um, meditating, I'm here. Okay, I know. Just leave mommy alone for five minutes. Oh, okay. Hold on. I'll come clean it up. Grove, are you bleeding? Do you need a, a band aid? Okay, I'll just hang out for a little. That's what it looks like. That's what my day is like. Even rehearsing for a show, I'm playing, I'm singing the song. I got to run the set every day. I'm singing, singing mom okay coming and i'm like singing the song playing the guitar walking down the stairs what is it what do you need okay here get use this walking back up you know like there's no big time block of for me you know it's a it's a pretty 24 7 job so it was a lot to rehearse for this show and i did it and I asked Norwood to play a song with me because it was a Halloween theme. And I was like, we'll cover the White Stripes, Little Ghost, but I don't have the bandwidth to figure out the chords or learn a new song. So Norwood, do you want to back me on this song? We'll sing it together. Um, and I knew Norwood because he was a parent too. And we had mentioned, we both had knew we had musical histories and we always would casually mention in the fleeting moments um, oh, maybe we should do something sometime, but it never happened, you know, and then I was like, come play this White Stripe song with me, and he's like, great, let's do it, and we did it, and the show ended, and I was just like, I need to go home and take a nap, that was like all this energy, you know, and you perform, and it's like all this adrenaline, and all this, ah, there's so much, and I barely had seconds to myself, you know, and um, I went home, I literally went home and took a nap with my little one who was napping and then I got a text from Norwood that said we are definitely making a band and I texted back uh-oh because I was like yay I finished and I never have to do this again uh-huh oh my and, god um, and he showed the text to his wife and she was like well at least she didn't say no and then we had a conversation later where he sort of reminded me why I might want to make music again and so it, we evolved from there and um, yeah, we're, we did this recording and I really like it and it's just getting a lot of attention, which feels nice. You know, it feels nice to put something out and have people just respond and like it. 
It's a, where can people get it? And how did you make that music video? It looks very cool, but very homemade. It looks like you did it at Moonlight Rollerway, the Silver Lake Res, like local, but it looks awesome. Yeah, it's totally homemade. It, it's, um, yeah, it's all just home movies, basically, or stuff like that, you know. <laughs> and it's, um, people can get it. It's so our band is Oso oh My Brain, which OSO, My Brain. You can follow us at Oso oh My Brain, which stands for Other Side of My Brain. And um, you can Google better now, uh, Oso oh My Brain on YouTube and see the video, and you can buy it on Spotify and get it on iTunes and anywhere that um, any digital platform, I think. And then you can also buy, we have a single, a vinyl single that is um, st still shipping. So it'll be in around Thanksgiving and you can go to our band camp page and Google. Oh, so my brain there, or, you know, search us and you can buy it digitally on that platform, which is great. Or, you can pre-order the vinyl. And Holly, so um, did you, when you were watching my comedy special, did you see Norwood in the audience? I did. <laughs> we said that's Norwood. <laughs> I had all, I have so many questions. I wanted to do an interview with you all about your comedy special. When did you film it? Uh, we filmed it, uh, la gosh, a year and a half ago, May, 2019. Oh, wow. Okay. But I met, I met Norwood at, through you, obviously you, uh, asked me to open for you, for you guys and, yeah. and Jesse Mallon at, uh, what's that place? Hotel Cafe. Hotel Cafe. Hotel Cafe. And that was such a fun, special night. Um, and, uh, I don't remember how Norwood ended up coming to the comedy special, but that was awesome. <laughs> to have him in, <laughs> to have him in the and then I love I love Jesse too, and I met all of these people through you. So, um, well, I'm really excited. Uh, so, like, what do you guys think you'll like? What's are you going to con continue to release this stuff through? Uh, yes, yes, it okay. is actually on the Elk Records. So. Um, that's cool. You can also go to their website to figure out how to get it. But yeah, I guess, I mean, we have a bunch of songs, so they'll just come out every couple of months. We'll drop another one. I guess that's how it works. They right are, <laughs> Holly, they are, it's, you guys are so good. So thank you for, thank you. thank you for continuing to, you know, make music, even though you have a very full-time job already as a mom. Did you like, did you like London better or here better? <laughs> I um, love London for a lot of reasons. Um, London is amazing as is, it's like in New York and I'm a New Yorker. So you walk there, there's winter there. Um, it rains there. Um, there's people everywhere. It's really great kind of living. You just take the subway. I didn't drive. Neither of us drove there. Um, it's really amazing. And it's also amazing because I didn't have to, um, I didn't have to go to marches there. <laughs> I didn't have to march there. And I'm, you know, I'm an activist. I march for a lot of things. Um, and it was really 
so wonderful to not be in a country with number 45 and I didn't have to like, I was like sheltered from a lot of irritation there. I still called my representatives every day about the kids in the camps at the border. Um, every day I called and asked them to write that, so demanded they write that situation, which is still a mess. Um, but it's like, it hurts my heart. That is ugh, that policy of the, you know, this current administration separating parents from their kids is, you know, the level of cruelty and sickness is really terrible. So I did do that every day, but making a, a phone call is nothing, you know, that was easy to do, but I, I didn't have to ever worry about school shootings in London, you know? So every day you drop your kids at public school, it crosses your mind, you know? Um, wow. Yeah. And there it was, it's not an issue. <laughs> so, um, they were, and it's wonderful there. And I, you know, I, love London. I love New York. Um, but I love LA. I have a life here and I have friends here and friends are a big, you know, part of it. And, um, that's where we came here, you know, for Tom's career. He has a career here specifically. And, um, it, it, LA has done nothing but great things for me. And, you know, I'm happy to be here. Sometimes I say that New York is in London, but more, even more New York is like your hot boy, your hot unavailable boyfriend. Cause it's like, there's so much adrenaline and there's so much happening and it's so amazing. And, but like the, the standard of living is a little bit rough, you know? Um, cause you're like in the little tiny supermarket and people are banging into you and you know, all that you're crossing the street and People are yelling at you. Um, and here is like your good friend. LA is like your good friend. It's like being present with, you know, with some like kindness and softness and ease, right? <laughs> Did you guys move back? I love that analogy. Did you guys move back to your old place or get a new one? We moved back to our old place. We kept our place while we were there, which was great and also helpful in hindsight because we came home right as they were closing the borders right at the start of COVID and um, well at the start of you know shelter in place COVID schools were opened before we got on the plane and closed when we got off kind of a thing so we, it was nice to just have a place to land where we knew all of our stuff you know how has that been um, homeschooling during all this It's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work. You know, I'm with my kids 24 seven for seven months. Um, and I love them and they're amazing, but particularly when they're littler, um, and I still have one that's sort of little, but it, it, you want, you need some breaks, you know? So, and this is just like, it's, it's nonstop. There's no, that's why I was explaining my yoga and my meditation and they're, they're just never somewhere else, you know? So, there's never a space for my brain to just calm, you know, calm down. So it's a lot of work at the pandemic experience for families, for parents is really different than for, you know, single people um, or not single people, but people who don't have kids, you know, it isn't about like getting cool stuff done or learning, you know, dealing with your boredom or loneliness or, you know, having time to do things. It's just like, whoa, it's sort of unhuman, the demands, but, um, but luxury problems because I have 
such a privileged life, you know, to be like, we, we have food on the table. We have, uh, we don't have a lot to worry about. And no one in my family, in, I mean, my family did get sick in New York, but no one passed away and no one in my home is sick. So, you know, we're just really busy, but I'll suck that up and be busy in, through this. You know, it's, it's just what we have to do right now. Yeah. Is Tom working from home or is Tom off? He was off for a lot. He just started working from home. Oh my gosh. Well, Holly, yeah. did I leave out anything? What, what, what else, what else do we need to discuss? <laughs> I don't know. He said a lot. I'm good. I feel good. <laughs> what was your what was your question about the comedy special? You had a question. Um, yeah, I just was curious how um, when you shot it, which makes sense that you shot it, because um, at the beginning it's just you and it cuts to the crowd, and I was like, is the crowd really there? Is this, or did she have to film this alone? And they, you know, is it canned laughter? I was trying to figure out. And then you were like, you guys have a great laugh. And I was like, they would have had to create that laugh. That seems really spontaneous, you know? Uh, and then at the end, it opens up and you see that you're there among the people, but also the, a little bit of the, the way the backdrop is. And then that just that section of light. And when you're standing in the middle of it, it looks like it's just shot on an iPhone and that the rest is, you know, just put in and there's like a mic stand like, Oh, that's like a funny little graphic there. But then you cross the, the line between the light and the dark. So it's like, Oh, you really are there. <laughs> but <laughs> so a lot of it was technical questions. <laughs> like how did I, but now that I know right away, now I know, you did it. It was live. It answered itself at the end. Um, so I was just wondering when it happened and um, how the response is, you know, what is, I'm curious about the numbers. I'd love to know about that, but we don't have to talk about it in person. You know, we can talk about it privately. Yeah. Oh, like production numbers or what, what do you mean? Production numbers or like how, how it's received? Yeah. How it's received. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, we could totally talk about that. It just came out yesterday. So it's like mm -hmm. brand new. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. It's so funny and it's so good. It was great to laugh. Thank you. I'm so happy that you watched it. That, that's really interesting because it's like we've been, just been in a vacuum. You know how you, it is when you're yeah. editing and then I know you finally put it out. So yeah it's cool though um well thanks holly i'm so happy yes. we got to talk and i'm um i'm really happy you're putting your songs out they're just they're they're like crazy catchy i feel like you need to get them on like commercials or something like <laughs> tv shows well i'm open Send me the offers, people. <laughs> um, what is your, like, do you have any special sauce tips, like, to help people who want to get stuff made, like, creatively or, or want to turn? Because I assume, like, a lot of these songs maybe came from a nugget of trauma at some point. Like, how can people take their trauma nuggets and turn them into <laughs> awesome, creative song treasure, trauma treasures? Do you have any advice on that? 
yeah, I guess you have to just sort of embrace the story, you know. I think like when you like can lovingly embrace your story, your past, you know, and, and have consciousness about the evolution. There's so much to talk about there, you know. It's all um, experience, you know, experience of life. It's so great. Wherever that takes you, you should just treasure it and, and find what you can. Right now, my um, son is in a, you know, early grade and they're learning about, um, what do they call it? Small moments. And so he has to write these little essays each week about a small moment. And so it's not the whole day. We went to the beach and it was fun. It's like, what was one great thing that happened there, you know? And then speak it and feel it. So, you know, yeah, he has to, and move it, you know? So he has to like talk about move, you know, it isn't just like we went, it was fun. Like we swam, I said this, I felt this, you know? So it's really cute to, to see how they like break down the writing process and start kids. Um, and I think that's, you know, it carries on. All of that advice is great for writing a song. So just be in this, be in the small moments. Yeah. Um, I'm writing a movie. I, I'm going to, I'm going to commission your songs. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get your songs in my movie. Um, that's great. That's cool. So just like taking, embracing your story, but like, what about people who don't want to talk about their experience and they want to be private and they don't want to like open up about that stuff? I mean, maybe because they're, because they're embarrassed or they're like ashamed or they're like, they don't want, they think if people know this stuff about me, they're not going to like me anymore. Right. I mean, well, that's problematic thinking, right? Um, if they know it and they don't like you, they're, they're not your people, people. <laughs> but um, you can always write as a, you can write a character. I mean, what's interesting to me is always emotional connection, you know? In all, in all storytelling, um, and in order to do that, you wanna you have to find that place, right? You're gonna talk about longing or loss or you know love or whatever that you you have to sort of go there um, if you if you wanted to like resonate, if you want somebody to feel that. So if you don't want to exactly tell your own story, you can always do a character. You can write a story like like Bruce Springsteen, all right, about some character, some working class person. He's not working class, right? And Went out for so a can... pack of smokes and I never came back. I'm not a singer. I'm exactly. Not a singer. That was who I randomly thought of who writes like a ca about characters. Or like Fleabag, <laughs> Fleabag, right? She's writing about, you know, a character. Or is she? Right. Um, right. It seems so autobiographical, though. That. So, like, when you get together with Jesse or Norwood, do you does a song lyric come to you like in a an image, or do you just hear like a few a phrase, or how does it originate? So many different places. It can be a melody, and then you want to find words that fit the melody, right? Um, 
I don't really know how it happens. It, it's something, blah, 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 and then it's there, you know? Yeah. Battery. Um, yeah, it, it, it can be, he, or sometimes Jesse will come with a song. He often comes with song with like temp lyrics, like he has some phrasing that he's making up words to fit the phrasing. And, um, and sometimes we'll be like, do you want to keep those words? Do you want to change it? What do you want this to be about? And then somehow, you know, you try to find a metaphor or a, uh, some kind of interesting way of talking about that thing. You know, um, sometimes I'll go see musicians and then after their show, they'll be like, oh my God, did you see when I messed up that part? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking, like, I wouldn't be able to play one note of that two hour show you just did. I don't know if there was a mistake. I don't know if there was 30. <laughs> to me, it was all magic. Like, I, I don't do music at all, you know, but I also think, try to think of that in terms of my comedy when I go, oh God, there's that part that I wish, and then the thing, and then that thing didn't land, you know, and it's, I'm just thinking people have no idea how to do comedy. It doesn't matter. It's like jazz. I'm watching jazz just going, uh, yeah. it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I relate. Um, the mistakes are, um, you know, I, I'm a very untechnical person. Um, I'm all, it's all like attitude and very little technique. I have a, a, I squeak by with as little technique as possible just because it's just not what I do. You know, I could, I could practice for the next 10 years in a room and you can put me on a stage and I'd still make a mistake. You know, it's just sort of, that's sort of the way I work in the world, the way my brain works. So I, I let go a lot of a lot. There's always going to be mistakes. I don't revisit at all because it's kind of pointless. I love that. I love that. And you're more concerned with the heart connection. That's what's more important. Yeah, anyway. I really am. That's and the heart, really the heart connection is not perfect. It's not without mistakes. It's right. messy. You want it to be bearable. You, you want it to be bearable for the people witnessing it. You don't want it to be, you know, sound terrible. Um, <laughs> you want it to sound as pleasing as possible, but that's not the place that I, I mean, it's always the place I can do work. I'm always working on, I mean, I practice a lot, but it doesn't always, it doesn't guarantee that it's going to go smooth for me. You know, I love the gritty nature of your new song. All right. This is a uh, Instagram live. So it actually runs out in like two minutes. Um, so I want to say I'm so um, grateful yeah. that you stopped by to talk today. And, and I want to remind everyone to follow Holly at Holly Ramos and also at Oso oh My Brain here on Instagram. That's the name of her band. And to get her new, um, what else do they need to do? Um, what do they need to do? They can follow us on Oh So My Brain on YouTube, on Spotify. On Bandcamp, give us the love. Give give her all the love at, because we're going where that where it's warm. We're going where the love is. Because, yes, because yes, we're yes, available yes. people now. We're appropriate available people, and um, 
you guys, thanks for watching today. It. And you can access this podcast. If you missed it, you can access it at Let's Process This with Melinda Hill, wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to order inappropriate comedy special um, at MelindaHill.com or wherever you get your specials. Any closing comments? Yes, Holly? definitely. Uh, get Melinda's special. Support comedy. Support art. Support music. Buy it. Buy the song. And thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Holly. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye.